So let's go ahead this morning and let's uh, go ahead and turn in our Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk. I'll give you a few minutes to find Habakkuk. It's tucked away in there. It's uh, three three chapters, and uh, Habakkuk is a very very interesting prophetic book. Um, there's a prophecy that's there. Uh, there's not much known about Habakkuk and who he is. Uh, there's obviously some indication of uh, about when he was uh, giving some prophecies, but uh, there there's something about Habakkuk that uh is is interesting in regards to the way that he uh starts off this book and it starts off with some concerns it starts off with habakkuk um giving some observations and seeing some things that he's not so sure about um and i i dare say as Habakkuk may seem like a, a bit of an oddity in the uh, in, in in the prophets here. It by far is one of the more important books of the Bible because of what theme it portrays. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But let's go ahead and open with prayer, and we'll get started this morning, dear Heavenly Father. Thank you again for our time, Lord, where we can just get into your word and get into the scriptures. And Lord, I, I just want to thank you for what you've preserved for us here in the book of Habakkuk. And Lord, I pray that we would take the lesson that we see here, that Lord, we would take the um, the truths that are evident, that are made uh, known here, and we would apply them to our lives. That Lord, it would not be something that is... Uh, um, casually looked at, but Lord, it would be something that is desired to be applied, that uh, our hearts would be applied unto this truth and this principle, that Lord, it would be something that uh, teaches us uh, during difficult times of how we should behave and what we should be doing for you. I thank you again, Lord, for uh, uh, just uh, being with us here this morning for Sunday school, and now as you teach us uh, from this book, and Lord, I just pray you'd be with my words, that they would be honoring and pleasing unto you, and that uh, this entire time with our hearts, Lord, we would glorify you and seek to know more of you and your will, that, Lord, uh, we may please you in all that we do. Thank you again, Lord, for these things you've given to us in this day, and this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Now, Habakkuk is a short little book. There's not, again, as I said, there's not much known about who he is, where he came from. There's a lot of speculation about Habakkuk. And mostly it's just theologians speculating, which you can just generally write off. Because, uh, again, if the Lord doesn't tell us, the Lord doesn't tell us. That's like debating over who wrote the book of Hebrews. It's like, okay, God didn't tell us. Do we really need to know? No, there's certain things he doesn't want us to know. Has he told you everything about everything that exists? No. Again, so we have to have some, if you will, some trust in the Lord. But as we look at this book and we see that it's right around that time where 
We can kind of, you know, put it right around the end of Josiah's reign and Josiah's death, the destruction of Judah by Babylon, because he talks about the Chaldeans in here, and then Babylon's eventual destruction uh, uh, by Persia. He, he even begins to mention in this passage. So, so we can kind of put it around that time frame, which is where a lot of these prophets are located. But this book has, has, has a greater impact than just those people there at that time. It has application for us today and for those in the future. You know, when people are going to go through trials and, and tribulations in this life, we think that we've got some things difficult sometimes. But let's be honest. We're, 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 we're kind of wimps when it comes to it because we have Western world problems, don't we? Paper cuts, Western world problem. Uh, uh, You know, uh, uh, potholes, Western world problem. I mean, again, you, you, you go and you see some of these, like Brother Chad Wells over there in Papua New Guinea. Yeah, they don't even have roads. So potholes? No, it's more like a mud hole. You drive through there, and he's got various different videos of how his sons have become expert recovery artists of getting four-wheel drive vehicles unstuck out of mud. And it's it's amazing to watch these videos and watch what's going on, and you just kind of chuckle and laugh and go, "Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. That's pretty cool what they do." But that you know, you know, a pothole today kind of sets your wheel out of alignment a little bit. And you're like, oh, it gives you that jarring thing and hurts your back because you've been, you know, bending over, uh, 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 you know, hunching over your computer and things like that. That's a Western world problem. But if we think about the trials and tribulations that we go through and sometimes how we murmur and complain, think about what's going to go on during the Great Tribulation. Think about the description that God puts in the book of Revelation. Think about the description that he writes through the rest of the prophets. And here, here is Habakkuk looking at some things and seeing some problems happening. And in, in chapter 1, in verse 1, it says, The burden of Habakkuk, which the prophet did see, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear, even cry unto thee out of violence, and thou wilt not say, Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. And he's making an observation, and he's saying, Lord, it just it just looks like that there's there's no help here. It looks like where 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 are you, God? And I will tell you that many a Christian, many a believer has been in a situation wondering, is God really there? <clears throat> Going through a trial in their life saying, Lord, are, are, are you true to your word where you said you'd never leave me nor forsake me? There's believers that have struggled with that. There's believers that have gone through difficult times like that. They've gone through heartache. They've gone through loss. They've gone through what we would consider horrors. And if you will, they have some of the same observations that Habakkuk has. 
Now, Habakkuk is, is, is not, if you will, condemning God. He's just asking God, are, are you, are you still there? God, are you still with us? Because all we see is sin. Now, if you notice, this is the perspective of somebody that is, if you will, trying to do the will of God, trying to do what is right versus everyone else that is trying to do that which is evil. I mean, we live in that day and age, don't we? We live in the day and age where everybody is doing everything that is contrary to God, it seems like. I know that seems like an exaggerated statement, but many times that's the case. Have you ever looked or watched part of the news or read something and gone, Lord, what is going on? This is kind of Habakkuk's, if you will, similar response. Lord, what's going on? Lord, what's going on? His, his first comments, he notes that, you know, that, that there's a huge amount of sin that's going on. The, 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 the sins that exist that are out there is, if you will, a disregard of the laws of God, a disregard for his word, and it's very prevalent in the land. And what is it doing? It's causing more problems and more problems. Why? Because it's causing people to, to, to exercise wrong judgment. And he says that very clearly. He says uh, that there's iniquity and grievance. There's strife and contention. In verse 4, he says, the law is slacked and judgment doth never go forth. He looks at all of it and he says, therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. There he is. He's, if you will, summarizing what's going on. Now, could you imagine during the Great Tribulation, these words being spoken? By saints that are going through it at that time? I can They look and they see the image of the beast and they see the beast being worshipped and they see the mark of the beast and they see all those things that everybody freaks out about. They see all that stuff going on. And and, and at some point in time, they're like, what in the world's going on? Everybody's just, they've got wrong judgment. You ever question the judgment of people? Question the judgment while driving? Ever question your judgment while driving? <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you ever question the judgment of politicians? Anybody ever do that? I mean, again, you know, we, we, we can see some of these things, but just imagine the horrors of everything that's going on and they see things falling from heaven and people dying left and right. And, 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 and again, you, you think that the, the news was bad with COVID. How bad do you think it's going to be during that period of time? Another hundred million died today because of uh, bitter, bitter water. Another hundred million, another, uh, 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 several billion died when a, when a mountain from space crashed into the earth. Streets are plagued with these, these, these animal-like creatures that we have no idea what they are, but they've come from inside the earth and they're crawling all over terrorizing man. All those movies that are apocalyptic and talking about all of these things, you realize that it's going to be like that. But it's going to be real. 
You ever wonder where Hollywood gets that stuff anyways? Yeah. But I, I tell you this. Here's Habakkuk just see, looking at all this going, Lord, all I see is sin. All I see is a disregard for your word. And all I see is people just making wrong judgments. What's going on, God? What's going on? And, and, and again, he just, he seeks to know wh- why God isn't answering calls for deliverance. You know, people in the United States of America are praying for revival. I tell you, I would love to see revival in the United States. I'd love to see it. There's been many a a message preached on revival. And if you will, you know, we often go back to the, the sayings that real revival starts in the pew, in the heart of the believer. Shake off the comfortability. Shake off the, if you will, the laziness and the slackness. We talk about that. But there's many a righteous man or many a righteous woman praying God, we need revival in this country. Just like Habakkuk was praying for Israel, Lord, I'm praying for this country. What's going on? Why isn't it this happening? God said it's it's not happening because, well, the people don't want it. The people don't want it. We live in a day and age where people don't want God. They don't want you talking about God. You can talk about anything else but God. Don't bring them up. They want sin openly proclaimed, but they want you worshiping in the closet. We see a reversal. And, and, and here's just a simple question from Habakkuk. God, where are you? Are you going to save us? Now, the end of the book, he clearly makes it known that, yes, he will. But there's something that has to happen. There's something that must occur. And that's God's judgment upon sin. And I dare say that that's one of the most important things that we have to understand. And God responds to Habakkuk here in in verses 5 through 11 of the first chapter here. And he responds in such a way that he says, I want you to look to the future. Now, it's interesting because many a times we know that we can't see the future. We can't divine that. We can't, you know, if you will, use the tarot card or the crystal ball or, or whatever it is to try to determine what the future may hold. That's all in God's hands. So when God says, I want you to look to the future, God's revealing something. Because again, this is what he says. He he, he says, I I want you to see something. In in verse six, he says, I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans and they're going to come in and they're going to, they're going to do some stuff to you. 
And the reason behind this is because these individuals that are around you are, are, they're heathens. Meaning that they're disregarding God. They're disregarding his works. They're disregarding all of these things. And he says, these are individuals that are going to pass. In verse 7, he says, they're terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. He says, these guys are not nice. They're not going to come in and give the nation of Israel a, a little slap on the wrist saying, stop it. They're going to be carting people off. They're going to be destroying the temple. They're going to leave the land a waste. And he makes it clear that this is what's going to happen. He's saying they're going to come and they're going to haul you off in captivity in verse 9. And and, and furthermore, he says they're just going to, if, if you will... Look at everyone around them, and if you will, scoff at them, because they're the biggest and the baddest on the block in verse verse 10. But I want you to notice in verse 11 something he says. He says, then shall his mind change, meaning that these individuals are not going to be doing the judgment of God and shall pass over and offend, imputing this his power unto his God, saying that they're going to start putting themselves up as the ones that are doing this. They're going to not take into consideration God. They're going to take into consideration false gods and say the false gods are the ones that have done this. The false gods are the ones that have done this. And that will be their undoing. And it was their undoing. It was their undoing. Next thing you know is the Babylonian Empire is no more as they attributed all their strength unto different gods and not God, uh, the one true God, as Nebuchadnezzar began to realize. But those that came after Nebuchadnezzar didn't attribute that to God. They attributed it to something else. And the result is, is they fell to the Medo-Persian Empire. They were, they were destroyed. And he says, this is, this is specifically what's happening. He says, I want you to look to the future. I want you to look to my judgment that's going to happen. The judgment of sin and the judgment of sin in his time. In his time. When he's telling Habakkuk here, this stuff hasn't happened yet. And we in this world today, we look around us and we go, God, we need some judgment. We need some judgment about what is right and what is wrong. We need judges in courts that will do right. We need officers of law that will do right. We need, we need politicians that will make right laws. And we look around and we go, where are they? And God says, wait. Wait. It's in God's timing. God will handle the issue. You ever notice God doesn't operate on your time? He doesn't do it when you want it done, does he? Because, I mean, we, we, we pray to God and we kind of like expect it immediate. Again, we, we're an impatient sort. Again, we can't even wait for a one-minute microwave burrito. We sit there and we just watch it. 
Wait for it. Wait for it. You know, if we don't get immediate, you know, responses, in the, and we live in a society of the immediate, it's got to be now. It's got to be now. It's got to be now. The end result is, is it's in God's time. It will be done according to his will. You realize that right out of uh, Genesis chapter 3, Jesus Christ didn't come to the earth? Jesus Christ came a few thousand years later in his time. And during this time, which he calls the fullness of the Gentiles, it's again his time. And at the end of that, nation of Israel will be put up as that primary nation in his time. The apostles in Acts chapter 1, Jesus Christ is resurrected. What are they going to begin to look for? The kingdom, kingdom of heaven. They said, Lord, is this when you're going to establish the kingdom for Israel? And what happened? The answer was, no, it didn't. It all happens according to God's timing, God's plan. And again, you know, here's Habakkuk, and he's concerned with this because he begins to realize that, okay, in, in, in chapter 1 and verses 12 through 17, he begins, he sees this, this, this horrific thing that's coming, and he's like, wait, the Chaldeans? Do you, the Chaldeans are wicked people! And Habakkuk here begins to realize that he's, you know, getting concerned with the fact that a nation that he views as more unrighteous than Israel, uh, will be used to bring about God's judgment and it concerns him. You know, God has done that in times past. The Assyrians were not nice people. The Philistines were not nice people. The Midianites were not nice people. Uh, the Moabites were not nice people. The, 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 the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, the, uh, the Medo-Persian Empire, they were not nice people. The Romans were not nice people. Well, look at all the, no, 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 no. Okay, if we're going to judge them on the good that they did, let's be sure to, 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 if you will, take a look at what they, evil they did. That's like saying that Adolf Hitler was a good person. Yeah, no. I don't care how many little old ladies he helped across the street. There's still a death toll that is attributed to him that's in the millions. Not a nice person. But we begin to look at this and we begin to realize that this is Habakkuk's concern. He starts looking at this and he's going, uh, what's going on? He's like, he understands in verse 13, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look upon upon iniquity. He knows that God does not like iniquity. He knows that there's a situation that's coming. He's like, why why then would would a wicked nation come in? Well, the answer is, is because the wicked nation is judging the other wicked nation. These nations were all following other gods. They weren't following the one true God. They weren't following after him. But I want you to see something that happens. 
And this again begins to show a great, if you will, illustration about the theme of this book. The main theme of this book is, is this, is essentially, do we or will we have faith during the times of difficulty? He's got this concern. I keep seeing sin, Lord. What's going on? Okay, you're going to judge us. Well, you're going to judge us by a wicked nation. Lord, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. I mean, if you will, Habakkuk is, is like a normal, everyday believer today. Have you ever just kind of looked at something that's been going on in your life and going, Lord, I don't get it? Did that happen to anyone else other than me? I mean, you, you just look around and go, um, okay, God, uh, wasn't expecting that. What's going on? Oh, and then, of course, you always have the all, also always helpful believer that comes alongside you and just simply tells you, well, obviously you must be in sin, Job. And what, is it, what does he call them, you know, about, about the horrible comforters that they are? <clears throat> kind of along the lines of, with friends like you, I guess I don't need enemies. <clears throat> you know, that, that mentality. And, 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 you know, some of that stuff exists today, and praise God uh, uh, for, for those that come alongside, and, and if you will, just weep at the time of weeping, and just comfort when they can, and, and laugh, and, and, and help the person along, and and if you will, follow Galatians 6, 1, and, and, and uh, again, bear each other's burdens. I mean, praise God for those. Praise God that God does work in their hearts, and the Spirit moves them to do that. Thank you, God, for that. But here he is, and, and, and you know, I, I got to imagine Habakkuk's not seeming to relate to anyone else that's around him, and he's probably very concerned about all of this. And he's just like a believer today, going, "Lord, all I see is sin, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the future holds. I don't. I, I, I'm just concerned." I've, 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 I've had uh, uh, United States citizens, Christian believers. Say to me, I don't get it. Is the United States going to continue or are we going to be destroyed? And, uh, and, and regrettably, sometimes you have to be a little firm with them and you say, does that really matter? Or does it matter more that you're doing the will of God right now? Does it matter more that Jesus Christ is the first in your life as we were talking about in Sunday school? Is he the preeminent one? Or is the United States the preeminent? It's not. It's not. Uh, again, I've, 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 I've had believers, well-meaning believers, come up to me and say, well, you know, there's the Word of God, and then there's the U.S. Constitution. What? And it's like, it, it is a divinely inspired document. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's written by man. Because nothing can even come close to comparing to the Word of God. As we said this morning, the Word of God is He Himself. It is God. You want to know God? You want to see God? Open this. 
You want a relationship with God? Open this. And here's Habakkuk, and what does he see? He sees all this stuff going, and he, en- and he ends chapter 1 with a question, and, and he's just like, what's going on? I, is this what's going to happen? Look at his response in chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand upon my watch. I will set me upon the tower. I will watch to see what he will say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. He says, I'm going to wait for God. I'm going to wait for God to answer. First thing I want you to notice about Habakkuk here is he mentions this, I am going to wait for God to answer. Isn't it frustrating when you don't get answers? Habakkuk said, I'm just going to sit there and watch and wait for it. You know what? A lot of the the life of a believer is while we work, we watch and wait. Again, not trying to alliterate there, but that's what we do. Are we not watching for his return? Are we not watching our Christian walk, you know, the the, the circumspect walk? Are, 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 are we not a believer that sits there and waits for God to do what he does best in his own time when he's doing it uh, according to his will? And that means that we have to trust God. And this is exactly what Habakkuk's doing just as a modern day believer. And again, if you will, encouragement for those that even come after us. The, what does he say? I'm just going to wait for God. Do you know what that begins to mean for for Habakkuk? Do you know what that takes? Faith. Faith. Because we find it right here. He he begins to to say, I'm just going to wait for God's answer. God replies in this, in, 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 he makes note of it in in verse two. And he says here in verse two, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. Now again, that's a kind of a interesting way to phrase things. When there's a lot that's that's involved in that, I don't want to get too much into it. But you know what? There's some things that prophecies that God said run. Jesus Christ even said, "When you see something happening, when you see the abomination of desolation, run." Wait a second! Don't stick around and th- no run. You see that happen, run for your life. Don't go back in the house and grab your, you know, your uh, bug out bag. Run. Don't sit there and grab your 72-hour preparation kit. Run. And he's saying, I want you to write something down that is going to cause the reader to look at it and actually respond by running. And here's what he says. I want you to see this. What what happens in verse 3. He says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It's going to come. He's like, not now. Maybe not next year. You know how many people I've had ask me, when do you think the Lord's coming back in 2022? No, I don't think he's coming back in 2022 because we're in 2023. And people are saying, he's definitely coming back in 2020. No, 
Didn't do it. Well, when is it going to happen? His appointed time. When is that? Don't know. Well, don't you want to know? Eh, I'm good with God handling it on his own. I don't need that information. And he says at the point in time, but at the end, it shall speak and not lie. He's saying it's going to be true. It's going to come. It's going to come to pass. It's going to be truth. He says, though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. You know, God's timing, again, you know, it gets pointed out that a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day with the Lord. And the concept behind that is not necessarily to to show certain things in Scripture, but also to, to show God is not bound by time. He operates outside of time. It means he operates outside of the theory of relativity and all of the uh, those principles, right? He's outside of that. Why? Because he created it. By him, all things were created, and by him, all things consist. Time is something that he made. And we are stuck in it. Which means we have to exercise a lot of trust in God. A lot. And here he says, look, it's going to come. It will come. Just wait for it. Just wait for it. You know, there's always that anticipation waiting for something. Waiting for something in the mail, waiting for a date to happen, waiting for this, waiting for that. And God makes it clear that that's going to occur. It's going to happen. Just hold on. But but here's the important thing that he mentions in verse 4, what the Lord says. And if you will, here's the key verse to this book. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. He's basically saying there's something not right with a man that is filled with pride. If you have pride, there is something wrong with you. If you think you're good and better than everyone else, there is something wrong with you. He says, behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Now this verse and that phrase in form is quoted multiple times in scripture. The just shall live by faith. Now it, it, this is important for us to understand as, as he mentions that because again we, we find it quoted in Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. We find it quoted over there in the book of Galatians chapter 3 verse 11. It's quoted over there in Hebrews 10.38. Here it is quoted multiple times. And it's all in reference to things about waiting on God. And it's interesting to note that it's quoted in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, which leads into the next chapter of Hebrews, which is the chapter about what? Faith. Gives the definition of faith. Romans talks about faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews, what does it say there? It says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
And you know what Habakkuk is being told? He's saying, look, I just want you to exercise faith like Abraham did, like Moses did, like Noah did, like David did, like all of the forefathers did, like everybody that was used as an example did. God's telling Habakkuk, he's saying, look, here's your answer, live by faith. You know what happens when we go through difficult times? You know what God's answer to us is? Live by faith. But but I'm not comfortable. Live by faith. But this doesn't feel good. Live by faith. I don't know where I am. Live by faith. Can you imagine? Here's Abraham, and he's like, his servant comes up to him, where are we going? I don't know. (laughs) You ever been here before? Nope. Anything look familiar? Nope. (laughs) Do you know what's on the other side of that ridge? Nope. Do you know who those people are? Are they friendly or not? Nope. I mean, at some point in time, he does enter into one area where he goes, these people don't fear God. (laughs) But, you know, you you begin to realize that Abraham exercised a lot of faith as a father of faith. Clearly showing that he just simply believed God and he did not care about the consequences of what was going to happen next. Why? Because it was all in God's hands. The only thing he could control was whether or not he was doing what God told him to do. God said, go here, and he said, I will. And he did. That was it. And here, here he is. Here's Habakkuk just being resigned to that. Look, I understand you're looking around. You see a lot of sin. I understand you're not comfortable having a, 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 a wicked foreign people come in and judge you and purge you the way that, that they, you need to be purged because of sin and things that are going on. But here's what you need to do. You need to exercise some faith. If the United States of America collapses tomorrow, what are you going to do? Live by faith? They begin persecuting Christians. What are you going to do? Live by faith? They tell you, tell us that we can't meet. What are we going to do? Live by faith? They might kill us. Live by faith. Are we going to obey God or are we not? See, God's word is not, is not based upon our circumstances of what's happening in the environment around us. It's based on God simply saying and us simply doing. This is what it boils down to. Here he is talking about those just that need to live by faith. He's saying during those difficult times, these people that you're you're saying are righteous, they're going to go through it. You ever think about that? The righteous go through the same things that the unrighteous go through. Why don't you take a thought about this for a second? Over there, it talks about in the book of James, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen? Amen. Okay. Who was it talking about? Elijah. Elijah prayed for what? No rain. Who would have been affected by that? 
Elijah. He was willing to go through the same suffering. He was praying so that God would get the heart right for the people. He was willing to go through that. Would we be willing to go through tribulation if God got the heart right of the people in the United States of America? If we live by faith... If we live by faith. You know, faith is exercised when we believe God's word. Faith is exercised when we trust the Lord. And specifically what he tells us. Because that's the definition of faith. Faith is believing God at his word and doing it. Faith is not just sitting on our hands. Faith is action. Faith is not some fanciful fairy dust that floats around that you hope you got enough faith to do whatever. No, no, no. Faith is saying, God, I believe what you said and I am going to do it. And you read through Hebrews chapter 11 and you find that is all that those people did. They simply believed God, they believed his word, and they said, I will do it. No questions. I'm just going to do it. And this is a great principle that we see here that Habakkuk is, is being shown, that we are being shown, that we are being taught. We go through difficult times. Yeah, we might have to suffer like the right, you know, like the unrighteous suffer. We might have to go through stuff like that. You know, I had a, I, I've heard it so many times. I've heard people like, oh, if this world starts, you know, excuse me, this nation starts going through stuff like that. I, man, we got to start finding some other countries to run to. Don't you think that they need, still need to hear Jesus Christ died to save sinners? Would you be willing to stay behind? And be a missionary to people that need it. You can only do that by faith. You can only do that by faith. Even if it means by peril of the sword, as he talks about over there in Hebrews. The people, you know, I want you to understand, did you know that one of the primary obligations for people during the great tribulation for saints is to continue to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not hide out in a corner. But I might be killed. It's still a commandment of God. That verse that we quote about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, talking about us, you know, as believers in church and coming to church and stuff like that. You know, that book of Hebrews is written specifically for Hebrews that are going to be going through, if you will, that purging period. And when they're going through that purging period, you know what he's telling them? Live by faith. Live by faith. Live by faith. Your forefathers did it. You need to do it. Live by faith. 
You want to be the remnant that comes through it? Live by faith. And you know what? That verse that talks about not forsaking the assembling of themselves together is in what book? Hebrews. You assemble in certain countries right now, you're going to be hunted down and killed. Do you think the same is going to be going on during the tribulation period? Absolutely. God said it would. He says, don't forsake it. Man, makes you glad that we're not going through tribulation right now, right? Makes you, makes you thankful that we have opportunities to just live at peace at this point in time, sort of, kind of. And that maybe it's not as bad as it may seem. But you know what we still need to do during this time? Live by faith. Live by faith. During this time, they're waiting for judgment to happen, and it's a pen is coming. During this time of you know waiting for iniquity, during this time of, of when the affliction and the judgment comes, all of these things when the Lord is testing and purging, purging those that are going to live are going to be those that exercise faith. Those that have a life worth living are going to be living by faith. You, you, have you ever read how bad it gets to the point where men are calling upon rocks to fall on them to kill them? That they're wanting to kill themselves and they're not going to be able to? I mean, that's how bad that stuff's going to get. That's how bad it's going to be. I, and, and I just want us to understand that concept. That's not a life. Living a life of where you're always wanting to commit suicide, that's not a life. That's not a life that Jesus Christ gave us. A person that wrestles with that is a person that needs to start learning how to live by faith. In the Word of God. Believing it, following it, doing it, cherishing it, treasuring it, holding on to it clinging to it with all of what they've got. Living by faith means a believer is content to receive only God's word and is content to find nothing in their own self and who they are, but everything in God, even in the worst conceivable conditions. I want to, I want to mention that again, because if you go into chapter three, he begins to paint some very interesting things about what's happening next, what's going to come, what's going to occur, all of these things about the Lord coming back, some things that are going to happen, individuals that are going to be uh, uh, overthrown, and he gets down there through this. And, and I want you to see verse 17 of chapter 3 of Habakkuk. He says, although the fig tree shall not blossom. This is, this is what Habakkuk is saying. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall, it be, shall fruit be on the, in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall uh, be no herd in the stalls. You know what he's saying? There's nothing to eat. What does he say? Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. You know what he's saying? He's saying, look, 
Even though, Lord, you say all this is going to happen, I'm still going to live by faith. I'm still going to rejoice in you. What's the worst that could happen to a believer today? There is nothing that man can do to you. Why? Because you have a home in heaven. There's no threat of death. We begin to see this here. And again, this comes down to what living by faith means for a believer. A living by faith means exactly what Habakkuk was going to do. Habakkuk was going to be content that all he had was what God had told him. Habakkuk was going to be content that all he had was what God had told him. If all you have left in this life is this, you've got more than enough. You've got more than enough. And here he is, he's saying, I'm going to be content with that. And you know what? I'm going to be content in finding nothing in my own self, my own opinions, what I see going on out there in the world and all of this and and how I view and how I think God's judgment should be. I'm going to be content that God knows everything, that God is going to do everything. I'm going to be content with him. I'm going to be content with his word. I'm going to be content with God, even during, as I said, the worst conceivable conditions. And there is, if you will, the theme of the book. Will you still live by faith when it's the worst in your life? When it's the darkest day that you have, will you still live by faith? You realize that it says that by the faith of Jesus Christ, we are saved, right? You know, he exercised faith. He went on that cross. The worst conceivable. The worst conceivable. Look, nobody has gone through what Jesus Christ has ever gone through. Nobody has ever gone through that. Nobody ever will. Nobody will ever take on the sin of the entire world and bear it. We can't. We can't even bear our own sin. Our own sin disgusts us. Could you imagine all of it? The worst of the worst? Jesus Christ bore it on the cross. The father turned away from him. And he died. The worst conditions, he still did what God had sent him to do. And he was obedient to the death of the cross so that we might have salvation. Would we do the same? You know, there's a warning for those that uh, attempt to avoid judgment in this specifically in chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10, or I should say 9 through 20 uh, specifically. There's those that try to live not by faith, but by something else, by themselves. The Lord communicates that his kingdom is going to come and it's going to come in his time and it's going to be the final resolution to the whole matter. 
But I want us to get to the very last verse of this book, verse 19, and see the conclusion of the whole thing. What, 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 what Habakkuk's deduction and de- declaration is, and in verse 19 it says, The Lord God is my strength. He, and He will make my feet like hind's feet, and He will make me to walk upon mine high places. He's saying, that's all on God. By faith, I'm going to live this life according to him. By faith, I'm going to believe what he said. By faith, he will be my strength, and I will get through this. I just have to simply believe God. And do what he asks me to do. The last chapter, if you will, he, he, he kind of ends this. This is a, a, if you will, a psalm. Because he says right there, and I last to the chief is stringer on my stringed instruments. Starts off with a prayer, not understanding. God answers and says, this is what's going to happen. And he begins to praise God and say, God, I'm going to rejoice because I'm going to live by faith. Will we do that today? Will we live by God? By his word? By what he tells us to do? Will we exercise faith in such a way? It's a powerful message in this book. Not a lot of people see that. But the idea is, when your world comes crashing down, when everything around you seems to be working against God, will you still live by His faith? Believer, we live in a very posh, cushy society. Let's not kid ourselves. We like to think faith is only good during the times that are nice and peaceful. But faith, if you look at Hebrews 11, is born during difficulty, during trials, during temptations, and during the worst conceivable conditions. Faith is what needs to be exercised. Let's make sure our hearts are prepared and purposed to do that by following his word. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this time. Thank you again, Lord, for what you teach us in this book. Lord, I thank you again for the principle that you've given here. And Lord, I pray that we would take this principle and we'd use it in our life. That Lord, we'd exercise faith in what you have said and we would do it. Because we believe you are God. We believe that you are not a man that you would lie. We believe it will be done in your time. We believe that it will be accomplished according to your will. And Lord, we just need to be very diligent, faithful, obedient servants to you and your word. I thank you again, Lord, for what you've teach, or what you teach us on a day-to-day basis your Holy Spirit, to guide us and direct us. Lord, may we hide these things in our heart. 
And I ask and I pray this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.